0: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ryan. I am Tom, one of the staff pastors here today. And I have the privilege of offering you the big sermon this morning. Some food for your soul from Acts chapter 1. While you're turning there, we welcome you, whether you're online, here in person. We are glad you're worshiping with us today. Our mission statement is to help people find and follow Jesus and we have not only a mission statement, but we have values as well, to love, to grow, to go. Think of these like a stool, three legs of a stool. On top of the stool is the mission statement, to help people find and follow Jesus, for you to find and follow Jesus. And then that mission statement is buttressed by these values, to love God, to love people, to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then to go where he sends us, both locally and globally. We go. We go here, there, and everywhere, and Acts chapter 1 really helps us to establish this foundation. We're going to be jumping around a little bit in this passage, but primarily following it through in chronological order. We're in the book of Acts, like I say, pull out your Bible or your electronic device And the book of Acts, as you remember, is a history of the first 30 years of the mission that Jesus gave to us. And we could call it the Acts of the Apostles, or we could call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. You'll notice a couple times in this passage, it talks about the Holy Spirit and how God transformed the lives of these fishermen and an IRS agent. And he used them to reach the world, and now we are also commissioned to Go. What is amazing is that these men started off and women started off with no building program, no programs, a very simple strategy. Tell the world about Jesus, about his death on the cross for their sins, about his resurrection life, and how every one of us can have life in him. Acts chapter 2, we see their first public church service. And you remember in Acts 2, verse 47, it says that the Lord was adding to their numbers daily those who were being saved, a very exciting church. They took the gospel throughout the world. And think of this, there was no internet. There was no radio. Wasn't even a printing press. And yet God used them one by one, one by a hundred, one by a thousand to spread the good news of Jesus. So the book of Acts, you remember who was written by? Written by Luke. Luke wrote Luke, and then the companion volume, Acts, followed on. Luke was a very excellent historian. He was a medical doctor. Sometimes I like to call him Dr. Luke. He hung out with Paul and was there certainly ministering to Paul and ministering with Paul. So let's start off. People who love God are enthusiastically involved in God's mission. It's God's mission. He started it. He continues it. And so in Acts chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, this is exactly what Luke says. He writes to this person he called Theophilus, lover of God, is what that name Theophilus means. And we don't know if it was a particular person or if he was just kind of using it to say all who love God. Listen, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Former book was Luke, until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. So Jesus tells us that the most important commandments are to love God and love people. And that's where we started three weeks ago, talking about loving God, loving people. And then last week, Pastor Ryan, we shared, talked about growing in Jesus. And like I say, today is the culmination of that to go. When we love God, when we love people, as we're growing, we go. This is what we're called to do. There's no other option. This is a part of who we are. And so when we talk about missions, when we talk about going, It should matter to us because it matters to God. If we love God, if we love people, we go. This is what we do. He talks about his former account. And you might call the book of Acts, Luke, volume 2 might be one way to put it. In verse 2 he says this all came through the Holy Spirit. In verse 8 he also talks about the power of the Holy Spirit that comes to us. And so the book of Acts is really the account of how the Holy Spirit was moving, continued to move throughout history, continues to move, and will move to the very end of time. He says the gospel of Luke records what Jesus began to do and teach. The book of Acts tells us what he continued to do and teach and what we continue. And so when we think about New Hope Church, we're not just doing church stuff. We're not just doing programs. Church stuff, programs, are a means to accomplish what God wants us to do. They're a way we organize ourselves to accomplish God's work, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit that we're about. That's what we're to be about. That's what we are about. We're not just doing church stuff or ministry stuff or program stuff. We're doing Holy Spirit stuff. The work of the Holy Spirit continues today, and each of us is called to be involved locally, regionally, globally, here, there, everywhere. If you live here in Adel, here in Adel and around the world. If you live in Dallas Center, Dallas Center and around the world and on and on it goes. And so locally, we've been talking the other day. We had one of our elders, Mike Kenny, who suggested here's an application locally for how we could serve. And this uh, next slide We'll show you a little bit of what we're talking about. Mike told us, he said, there's an opportunity to serve in our local school district. They need volunteers. Need volunteers in the concession stand. Need volunteers to serve at sporting events. And uh, Mike suggested, and sounds like a great idea, what it would be like if we at New Hope Church, we would sign up and fill those spaces that are needed to come and serve. Now, if you live in another school district, go and serve there. But you're also welcome to come and serve in ADM. And so as Pastor Ryan and I talked, he said yeah, this is a great application for one of the ways that we could serve locally. Now what I didn't tell Ryan, and I have to confess now, being a little bit transparent, is that my son, my, my youngest son, played high school sports. And so when he finished playing high school sports, one of the great joys in my life was, I thought, I'll never have to serve in a concession stand again. And so, I haven't signed up yet, but I'll probably be running a clock or doing taking tickets or something, because, you know, if somebody held a gun against my head and said, "Do you believe in Jesus as your Lord?" i'd say yes if they said do you want to serve in a concession stand i'd have to think about it and and so just to be totally transparent here so we're called to serve we're called to serve locally we're called to serve regionally and we're called to go to the ends of the earth and so i got a couple of video clips they're going to help us this morning to be reminded and remember and know that we are called to go here, there, and everywhere. And I know that sometimes the things that are closest to us are easier to jump into and be involved with, sometimes harder, but we we are called to go at every level. So this first video clip just began to give you a taste of what God calls us to do. And then I have one at the end of the service as well.
1: In the, beginning, In the God beginning, God created everything. Created he created a world of full of people to know Him, to know him and, and to be known him. by this Him. Is story, this is the story the Bible, of the Bible, God bringing people to, people to Himself. When we read the Bible, we, read the Bible we see how God went to great lengths, lengths to do and this, and how much God cares about people knowing Him. him. You likely most likely already, already know this. And you probably, and you probably live somewhere, somewhere where people have a general understanding of this love great story love story between God and humanity. And if, they know yet, and if they don't know yet, there's probably, there's probably somebody you know, in town don't. who can tell them. But did you also, did you also know, also know that there are three billion, billion, people, billion people who and die, live and, and die no without worries. ever hearing this story? Not because they, Not because because care. they don't care. Because, they don't, because they don't have a choice. Nobody ever told Nobody them that once upon a time, God became a human just like them so that he could teach them how to know their creator. 40%, 40% of, the of the world doesn't know this, this, and they won't know this. Not unless something not changes. changes. Not, unless not unless someone goes to tell. Jesus is our Jesus wonderful example. He left his natural home to come, us. To, come to us, and, he tells, and he tells us to do the same thing. Because we love, because we love Jesus, Jesus care and care and about the same things that, that he cares about, we care about this. Care about this. But that, the whole that the whole world would know it. That. that every that. tongue, tribe, and people group would come and be able to worship him. So the question is, is, are we doing Are we doing this? This? going out, in the going out into the world to bring the gospel to every tribe, tribe and nation? Well. Well, kind of. Kind of. Churches do well, churches send do people send out. People out. Half Almost the half the world still doesn't have any access to, go. to the gospel. But, but how is this possible? possible? Aren't there aren't there being people, people being people sent? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 4, there are about 400,000 400, people, people serving, serving, serving across, across the world today. Only but 3% only 3% of, of them are actually going to the 40% who have never heard about Jesus. The other 97% are going to places that have already heard about Jesus. There's an imbalance. That imbalance leaves only one person for each 250,000 people who have never heard about Jesus. Put another way, way, we have a spirit-led calling to rethink our focus. When you look at how we use use our resources, such as money, money. the picture doesn't look that much better. To be specific, specific, Christians around the world are giving about 2% of their income to Christian causes. And less than 7% of that is is going to cross-cultural workers. workers. And of that that cross-cultural giving, giving, only only of that point one percent is actually going to those working with the three billion people who don't know jesus have no church or any christian neighbors the other 99 of all cross-cultural giving goes to the rest of the world that already has christians bibles and churches are you seeing the imbalance only three only three percent of our workers with only one percent of our cross-cultural finances are going to the three billion people who have never heard about jesus so we have to ask ourselves are we okay with this? We want those 3 billion people to hear about the kingdom of God and how much God loves them. There are 17,000 ethnolinguistic groups in the world, people who share language, culture, and common history. 7,000 of them are considered unreached people. Our entire These are our entire cultures, cultures who, have who have never heard the amazing story of how Jesus loves them and came to save them. God. Has God has called us to, us to pay attention, to, to love and to to care, us care us for the same things that he does. He puts desire on our heart to see the unreached, see the unreached. reached with the amazing story of the love of God. We want to see see lasting local church planning planning movements begin begin among these people that brings renewal renewal and transformation among these cultures and societies. Why? Why? Because God has moved our hearts hearts to see the the gospel transform whole societies among the people. We know this task is is bigger than us. Many of the areas that are are in need of the gospel are difficult and resistant places. It isn't something that can be accomplished overnight, but by the power of the Spirit, we endeavor. To to preach the gospel where Christ does does not know know. so that God can be worshipped by all peoples.
0: Now, this is a hard message, but it's my responsibility to share truth with you. Kathleen and I, when we were younger, were about one decision away from going to the missions field to serve among muslim peoples and eventually the way things worked out was we committed i committed to serve the local church but one of the things i said to god at that time was i will share do my best to share god's call to go to the nations and like i say i know it's a challenging challenging endeavor but this is what god says this is what we are called to do and to be and this is the end game in terms of what we are to be about and it's very important that we serve locally and love locally and regionally but this is a part of god's heart and i know it's just easy because it's easy for me to sometimes forget but this is reality and this is truth Of what God calls us to do. He calls us to teach. In Acts chapter 1 verses 1 and 3 it says that the gospel of Luke was written about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So we're called to do, so we serve, we're called to teach, so we teach. Jesus taught throughout his ministry. Matthew chapter 9 35 says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the good news of the kingdom. He continued to teach and preach after his resurrection. Acts chapter one, verse three says, After his suffering, he showed himself. He showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over 40 days. He spoke about the kingdom of God. So Luke tells us that Jesus showed him alive many convincing proofs. The idea here is similar to what takes place in a court of law, where the lawyer says, here's the evidence, here's the evidence, here's the evidence. And Jesus showed them, it says he showed them the evidence. He presented the case so logically compelling that they could not do anything other than to have faith in Jesus and follow him and serve him. And we also likewise have the evidence before us. He says he appeared to them. And the idea is a word taken from the world of ophthalmology. In fact, it's related to that word ophthalmology. It means to put their eyeballs on him. They saw him. They experienced him. Peter said later that we were eyewitnesses of his majesty in 2 Peter 1.16. John says, in the beginning, that which was from the beginning, we heard, we seen with our eyes, we've looked at, our hands have touched, we proclaim considering the, concerning the word of life, the life appeared, we have seen it, we testify to it. We proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. They're saying, we saw Jesus and now we're telling you. This is what we know. This is what we teach. Scripture didn't just start with a good theory. It's reality. It's what has happened, what is happening, what will happen. Now, part of my calling is to teach, and that's one of the reasons why myself and a few others started an organization called Pastor Training International. And so along with the teaching, I do Here locally. I go globally, and one of the places that I go is to India. And so one of the reasons why I go to India is because it's a place where there are many people groups that don't know Jesus. And so I have the opportunity and the privilege to be able to train there. Some of you know Pastor Joy, and I had the opportunity to be able to write a commentary that's going to be used to train pastors in India. Right now, I'm training pastors in Zambia, and we've had to do it mainly through the telephone. One time, um, I'm on the telephone talking with a trainer over there, and he's in a cornfield, and uh, then he's training others, and because of coronavirus, that's just what we're doing these days. Hopefully, I told him I'll get over to Zambia at some point to be able to do some in-person training, I am, hopefully, in November, going to be able to go to Liberia, where there's a training school, both a Bible college and a seminary, and do some training there on apologetics. Again, just kind of depends on the state of the world and travel in November. But the need is significant. 85% of pastors and leaders over in and Asia have little or no Bible training, and so we're called to go and teach, and I just... I am very privileged to be able to go and do that. Congregations that are starving, they have a famine of hearing God's word. They're often stuck in immature church life. Sometimes the cults and heretics will come and steal new Christians away. Sometimes people are led into the bondage of cults. And works religion, the health and wealth gospels, often predominant. And so this is one of the ways that I use my skills and gifts. But God calls all of us to use our skills and gifts to serve him. So let me just give you another little application at this point. In a few weeks, you'll notice in your bulletin that we are going to have a shape class, S-H-A-P-E. And we want to help identify your spiritual gifts your experiences, your personality, your abilities, and help you just answer the question, God, how can you use me locally and globally? So if you'd like to be a part of that class, love to have you do that. It'll be second service beginning in late September. Details there in your bulletin. Just let us know RSVP on your connection card or let me know, and we'll be glad to include you in that. Back to our passage in Acts chapter 1, verses 3 and 6, it says that Jesus taught about the kingdom, and that might seem a little bit, uh, might feel like we're unable to exactly identify what is he talking about, the kingdom. It says that over 40 days he spoke about the kingdom of God, and this is a subject that comes up 80 times in the New Testament. And when you think of kingdom, what I urge you to think about is think about Jesus as king. When he starts talking about the word kingdom, he's talking about himself as king of the kingdom. He says that Luke 4.43, he was sent for the purpose of preaching about the kingdom of God. Matthew 4.17, 7, 4, he says, repent, that is turn from sin to Jesus. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand in Luke Chapter 17, verse 21, he says, The kingdom of God is near. He says, Behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And what he meant by that was, He was there. He was standing there as king. Jesus encouraged us. He says, Seek first, you remember? Seek first His kingdom. That is, seek first His kingship in life. And all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, look around. Look at the stuff we have. Look at how the world operates. And then make a decision on what we're going to value, on who we're going to follow. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom, and then all these other things will be given to you as well. Jump down to verse 6. They met together. They asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And you remember that the disciples had this messed up idea that when jesus appeared on earth when messiah came to earth that everything politically would be just right all right perfect and we all know how politics has gone from there and so jesus says "Mm, you guys aren't quite getting it and in that is hope for us as well when we struggle we know that the disciples themselves who'd been there with Jesus, who'd touched Jesus, who'd talked with Jesus, who heard Jesus, who saw Jesus do miracle upon miracle, even for them it was a struggle. And so when we struggle, just remember, hey, it took the disciples themselves a while to figure all this out. They thought they were going to have management jobs there in this earthly kingdom. And they were waiting for Jesus to institute that earthly kingdom. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand. And he wants us to understand that his kingship, his kingdom, is better than any human kingdom. He wanted them, he wants us to be ambassadors of his kingdom, his kingship. Our primary goal is not to build a bigger organization. Our primary calling, listen up, is not to make America great again. It's all right, but that is not our primary callers' at, call as believers. Our primary call is to make Jesus great. He's already great, but to announce that to the world that Jesus is the great and the greatest. That's our calling. We don't have to make Jesus great again because he already is great. Our job is to tell people about God's love, his forgiveness, his peace, and be powered by the Holy Spirit in doing that because that's a big calling. Verses 4 and 5, 7 and 8, While staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons verse 7 that the father is fixed by his own authority you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth so we're going to focus primarily on verse 8 here this morning because following Jesus sharing the gospel Talking about God's kingdom is Holy Spirit transforming kind of activity. We tap into the Spirit's power, not our own. not a self-help kind of religion that we're involved with. It's God's help, God's power, God's Spirit that transforms us and transforms others. So chapter 1, verse 8 is the key verse in the book, book of Acts. It's also one of the key verses in the whole Bible. It explains that the power of the church comes from not from us, but from God. Zechariah predicts this in Zechariah 4, 6. He said, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And out of that filling, we minister to others. Acts 4.31 says, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were filled with Holy Spirit. They continued to speak the word of God. And so, as we're filled with the Spirit, we speak. And we're witnesses, verse 8 says. Witness is a key word in the book of Acts. Used 29 times there, witness is someone who says what they've seen and heard. Just like Earlier, I talked about Peter doing this, and I talked about John doing this. This is what we're called to do. It's what the disciples did as they told people about who Jesus is and what he's done. Acts 4.19, they said when they were pressed to stop speaking about Jesus, they said, "...whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot speak but speak of what we have seen and heard." you don't have to be a theologian, you don't have to be a Bible school graduate to talk about what you've seen and heard. If you know Jesus, if you know God's Word in the Bible, you can talk about it, right? You can do it. You can do it wherever you are, wherever you're working, whatever neighborhood you're in, wherever you're going, Here's what I know. Here's what I've experienced. And just talk about it. You're a witness. Tell how oh, always, change your life. Then pray for others to have the same life transformation. Now, one other little insight from a global perspective, this word witness is a word from which we get martyr, someone who's died for their faith in Jesus, And we know that the disciples were willing to die, and some did die for Jesus, for their witness for Jesus, and that today in hard places around the world, and as we've been watching places like Afghanistan, and our hearts are heavy with the kinds of things that have happened there, we know that there are places where people literally do put their lives on the line and lose their lives because of their witness for Jesus, and We may or may not ever be in that kind of position, but we do know that God calls us on a daily basis to die to self and live for him. It's exactly what he says in Luke 9, verse 23, to take up our cross daily, that is to die to him and follow him. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, that is, I've died with Christ And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so there is this sense in which we do die to self on a daily basis. So go local, go global. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. All Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And you might have heard this before, but there's an analogy here. Jerusalem was the place where the disciples and where the New Testament church began with 120 people that were gathered there in the upper room. And so our Jerusalem is right here locally where we go. Judea is similar to a region. We might think of it as Iowa. It's our region. We might think of it as Des Moines as we go on mission and do various kinds of activities on mission, and we have mission partners both here locally and in the Des Moines area who go. And then Samaria, we might think of, Samaria was a hard place where The Jewish people and the Samaritan people didn't get along, and so Samaria is our hard place. Maybe a place like in Des Moines where it's a little tougher to go and for us to minister, or a place like Chicago where we might say, That's really stretching me. And so God calls us to go to those hard places as well Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then ultimately to the ends of the earth. That's our calling. That's our commission. We could think of it as concentric circles, like you drop a rock in the water and the concentric circles go out. And God calls us to begin here and then progressively go out to the ends of the earth, to every people group, to go to the hard places. And the task, the task remains. As we saw in that last video, It's slow. It's one person, one people group at a time, and it's hard. The remaining people groups are in places where it's just hard to go there and live. It's hard to send out young people into places that remain to be reached. And unreached people groups don't come to the local airport and say, Welcome, missionaries. So another way to summarize Jesus' message here is he says, I want you to take the gospel to your friends, your family. I want you to take the gospel to the people that you work with, the people that you go to school with. Then I want you to get outside of your comfortable zone and go to people that are harder for you to reach. And then he says, I want you to go to people everywhere, to people that are currently Buddhists, currently Muslims, currently followers of Confucius, currently communists, currently atheists. This is what we're called to do. This is the end game. No matter where we live, we're called to be witnesses. And the question I leave you with this morning, how are you going to get involved? Let's look at this last video. Then I have three more application questions for you as we finish up.
1: We're not talking about people who are lost and don't know the Lord. We're talking about people who are lost and don't know the Lord, and there's nobody who speaks their language that can tell them. There is no church that exists. There is no uh, not a large enough group of people within that people group, uh, within that tribe or nation, to, to reach themselves. That's an unreached people group. When I'm riding through the city on my bike... I just look around me and I see mobs of people, mobs of people, and looking into their faces and remembering to look into their faces and um, thinking, is there one of these people, do one of these people know Jesus? Probably not, probably not. If what you want to do is change people's hearts and change millions of people's hearts, this isn't something that you can do in the flesh. So prayer is really the lifeblood of our work. Around the city, seeing so many students around, uh, eleven and a half million people as I commute, the whole train is filled with people, and the reality that the less than one percent of them are Christian just—that's what really breaks my heart. And seeing the need for the gospel
0: here. The core of the gospel is life on life. It's people touching
1: other people, and if there's anything we can do, it's to get the people that are
2: are here connected with the people that are there.
0: I'd love to talk with you more about what it means, what it means to pray daily for people locally and regionally and around the world and how to do that. Are you experiencing God's work in you and through you? These are the first steps to the foremost end. And are you involved? Are you involved locally and globally? Let's pray to that end. Lord, thank you for my friends who come today to hear your word. Thank you for your word that is true and right. And it teaches us and it comforts us and yet it challenges us. And this is a challenging message and yet it is part of the excitement of serving you is to step forward into your mission. And I pray that you would lead us, help us to find ways to serve Locally, help us to be people that are out on mission and Jesus, help us not forget those who on the other side of the globe have never even heard the name Jesus and let us be involved not for our sakes, but for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Would you please stand and worship with us?
2: sins of the world. His blood breaks the chain. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Open up the gates, make way before the King of kings. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free, for who can stop the Lord all sin will of- i oh.
1: coming. Have a blessed week.